Good morning, church family. It is an honor and a privilege to be here this morning, and we are in a very interesting um, time and season as a church. You know, we've been talking about us being on a mission, you know, for God and for his kingdom and for his glory. So for those of you that do not know me or you are here for your first time, my name is Emmanuel. I'm the prayer life um, team ministry here at our church. And um, I will be speaking this morning about called to witness. God has called you and I to be witnesses. So if you are able to stand, please um, stand. We are going to turn our Bibles to um, the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 1 till verse 8. It reads as follows. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in few days you will, baptize, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when he had met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can um, just come into your presence and um, worship and, and, and um, be one with you. As we study your word this morning, Father, I pray that your spirit will come here this morning and um, just open hearts, Father that we might receive your word, and that you might speak to us, Father. As your word says, that is your breath in our lungs. You have poured out your spirit like a wild river, and wherever this river goes, oh, Father, life follows. Not just any kind of life, but life in abundance. So would you release your spirit this morning upon each and every one of us that we may um, commune with you as we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may go ahead and take your seat. The book of Acts is an interesting book of all the books that have been written. If you remove the book of Acts from the New Testament, you would remain with nothing. You would not know how the church started, how the church grew, what happened to the church, and all that. So the book of Acts is really, really the beginning of the church, how we came to be 
as a church. And as you read through it, you continuously see the Bible says the, the, the apostles did this, the apostles did that. And many people have really said that it is not just the book um, about the apostles' act, but it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And one of the things that I found interesting is that the Bible tells us um, in Colossians that the person who wrote this book was Luke, and he was one companion with the Apostle Paul. They traveled together on many missions as he spread the gospel. So Luke wrote two books. He wrote the book of Luke, which we know the gospel, and he also wrote the book of Acts to give us an account of what exactly happened to the church and how the church moved. Remember, the Bible tells us that Jesus was on a cross, and when he had given up the ghost, the Bible says there was darkness all over. So the enemy rejoiced. People rejoiced. They thought, oh, we have silenced this disturber. We have silenced him. And people thought it was that. In fact, the disciples themselves moved back to their jobs. They went back to fishing. They thought, oh, we thought that this was going to be it. But he just died. They forgot that Jesus told them, I will die, I will be in the grave, and after three days, I will rise again. So everybody thought it was done, that they had silenced them, but they did not know. Putting Jesus on the cross, that darkness that fell upon the earth was just an act for the light to be magnified. They just amplified the situation. So when Jesus meets with the disciples, he tells them what? Do not leave Jerusalem. He tells them, go and wait. And he tells them why they should wait. He tells them, wait for the promise, the Holy Spirit. And he tells them that you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to the ends of the, the earth. So what I want you to take from here this morning, my main idea is simple. The Holy Spirit gives us power. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us for effective witness to the world, not just in words, not just in tactics, ideas, but he empowers us in words and deeds. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers you and me to be witnesses. As we see in the Bible, Jesus, before he sent the disciples into the world, he told them, wait. Why? Because I need to send you with the Holy Spirit. So before he sent the disciples into the world, he told them, wait for the Holy Spirit. And as you all know, some of you have had the opportunity to be witnesses at the court. And, and you knowing very full well that you cannot be a witness to something that you did not see. You cannot be a witness to something that you did not experience. A witness is somebody who bears testimony, know and experience something. In our own case, someone. A witness is somebody who bears testimony. Somebody who has experienced something, somebody who has seen something, somebody who's living something. So you'll be called upon to testify to this thing. And we are called witnesses. We are called to be witnesses for the gospel, for what we have seen in Christ Jesus. And this is our mandate. You know, many people think that um, the work of preaching, the work of um, teaching and, and, and telling the story of Jesus Christ, as we often say here, is just for the pastors, you know, the ministers, the leaders. But the call is for each and every single one of us, you know. And, and you and I have been appointed for that. 
And the other thing that I want you to understand is that Jesus calls the disciples to be witnesses. He didn't just tell them, oh, you know what? You are going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. But he had to give them specific guidance on where to be witnesses. He told them that you are going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. This is the location. He gave them a specific location or way to, to be witnesses. It is not just geographical borders that, you know, you have to, to be within Jerusalem to, 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 um, to witness. No, these are not just ge- geographical borders. But Jerusalem, in our own cases, can be geographically um, close, something that is close to us, or a place that is close to us, culturally close, relationally close, our own hometown. You know, in this case, where you live, that is Jerusalem for you. Your workplace is a place for you and I to witness. I've seen many people, and and I've seen this a lot with um, young people, is that they don't want to talk about Jesus or mention that, you know what, I'm born again. I actually believe in God. Maybe they're going to think I look weird. What if I start talking about Jesus and all of a sudden my co-workers uh, feel or think that I'm weird? You know, your workplace, your community, your neighborhood, these are the places you and I have been called to witness. These are the places that are so close to us that we need um, to start. You know, and it can be difficult, I understand, it can be hard. Where do I start? How do I start? How do I go about it? And that is why, as a church, we have put so many information, so many ways we can train you and, and, uh, and share with you on how to be witnesses uh, for the glory of God. So Jerusalem is something or a place that is close to you. And that is where we can begin. Not all of us are going to have the opportunities to go on missions, to travel far places, but we can start somewhere, your neighbor. And I've seen this thing in, in our culture today. People just say, hey, how are you? And they walk away. They don't stand, they don't take a time to wait and basically just ask, how are you really doing? And I've often told people, I'm like, if you're not going to take a breath to really ask me, how are you doing? Just say hi and walk away. Why say something that you don't really mean? You know, a simple how are you, how are you doing can begin a conversation. And I've seen this so many times. So many times when I stop and ask somebody, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? They say, no, I'm having a hard time. That's an opportunity for me to tell them what, what, what is exactly going on. And the moment they begin to share, I'm like, this is what is happening. I've done it so many times, and it has worked. So let us begin by cultivating relationship. As we have said here through our 3D living, you know, we, we want to cultivate relationship with people, and we really want to show that we care. Why? Because God cares, and God has sent us to care for people. So let us pause in our time and ask really how are people doing. And when we do, let us mean it. And then God says, um, Jesus tells the disciples that there will be witnesses in Jerusalem. Yeah, sorry, in Judea. Judea is close. It's uh, geographically also close, culturally close. But in relation, it is distant. So in our own context, it can be our state, our county, nearby cities. We, we are in West Dundee. We got Carpentersville. We got different locations that we are living in. So we might not have relationship with these cities, with these people, but 
This is what it means. Judea can just be some, some, somewhere close, our own county, you know, where we can um, reach out. And Samaria uh, also represents same thing, distant, distance in relation. So you and I are also called to go to other states, you know. And, and you might ask me, and it's like, but I'm never going to get an opportunity to travel on mission. Do we all go on vacations? Does anybody not take vacations here? <laughs> Nobody, yeah? We all take vacations, and in summer, we know. Uh, many people are traveling. Many people are booking um, travel um, vacations. Now, I want to encourage you, whenever you travel, I've shared the gospel. Uh, some of you know I've traveled, I've been in so many countries, and I've never taken it lightly. Every single country I've been to, I've been on a mission. I didn't go for mission. I went there for other reasons, but because I am there, I went and I started sharing the gospel. Wherever you find yourself in a plane, it is an opportunity. One of the things that many believers fail to um, recognize is when God is leading people towards them. You remember the story of um, Elijah, Elijah and his servant Gehaz. The armies had surrounded them and, and they were really in a bad spot. And the prophet says what? Gehaz tells the prophet, he's like, my Lord, we are surrounded. There's no way we're going to escape this. And Elijah prays and he says what? Open his eyes. Let him see what is there. And as God opened Gehaz's eyes, he looked and he said, oh, wait a minute. We are not actually surrounded by the enemy. It's the enemy who's surrounded. So many a times believers miss the opportunity to be on a mission for God because we don't recognize the opportunities God, God is giving us. And we are to be witnesses. Whether you go on a vacation, whether you're on a cruise, on a plane, some of us don't like flying. Personally, I don't. So whenever I stop at the gas station, if I have a prompting to share the gospel, I do. I remember a couple of years ago, we were back in my home country, Namibia. We were sharing the gospel with people and and um, I was part of a church planting. So we, we were part of the team that goes first, prepares um, the community, the people, and the church um, on how to, to go out and witness. So I had this opportunity to share the gospel with so many people around. When we were leaving, after three months, another church or other ministries would come and continue with the work. So when my, my time was done, we were leaving. As we were putting um, gas at the filling station, I just had a prompting to share the gospel with one of the petrol attendants there. And as I shared the gospel with him, he began crying, and I led him to God. I moved, we went back to um, the capital city. And then after six months, I had to go back again to um, train the churches and the ministries that had started growing. I stopped at the same filling station, and I asked this guy to help me put gas. And as they put gas in, in the car, he looked at me and he said, do you remember me? I'm like, no. <laughs> Have we met? He's like, yes, we've met. A couple of, of months ago, you were here. You shared the gospel, and you led me to Christ here. Then he pulls his Bible from the, the, the gas tank, and he said, ever since I've been reading the word, I felt something in my body that I can't explain. I was like, okay. It, was, it, it took like, what, 10 minutes for me to just stop, interrupted, and to just share the gospel with him. So when we, we find ourselves living on a mission, 
God will bring people to us. But if we fail to recognize these moments, we are really going to leave people dry and empty. And then we are to witness to the ends of the earth. You know, some people will go internationally, like, like I've said before. And we have an opportunity also for some people from our church are going to be going to Cuba. That's international ministry. And, and think of it as whenever you travel abroad, any other country you go to, think of it that I'm not just here for fun, pleasure, and, you know, to relax my body, but I'm also here on a mission. I'm a witness of Christ Jesus. The other thing I want you to uh, see is the qualification of a witness. According to the book of Acts, chapter 4, I'm going to quickly tell you the the story here of what happened. Because of um, time, I'm just going to skip to um, verse 18. The book of Acts, chapter 4, let's start from verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach. Um, Sorry, let's start from 13. Uh, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And then 18, then they called them again in and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and have heard. The qualification of a witness. What is your qualification? You and I are qualified to be witness. Many believers hesitate to witness about their faith in Christ because they don't feel the change in their lives has been spectacular, significant enough. But you qualify as a witness for Jesus because of what he has done for you. You know, whenever you apply for a job, right, they ask you, what is your qualification? What is your experience, right? So if you have just qualification, you might get a job. If you have just experience, eh, maybe not, right? So both things play a role. But you and I don't qualify to be witnesses for God because we have qualification or experience, no. It is Christ in us that qualify us to be witnesses, right? So you see the, the, the apostles were before the, the court of the Sahedrin, and the Bible tells us that they looked at them and they said, wait a minute, these guys are not school. They didn't belong to the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. They were not associated with this or that. They were just simple fishermen, common people like you and me who were doing entry jobs, right? Entry-level jobs. And, but the Bible says what? When they noticed them, they looked at them, they said, wait a minute, these guys have been with Jesus. So you and I's qualification does not come from the many years we've spent studying, you know, doing this or studying that, that it helps to, to, to study all of this, but our qualification comes from being with Jesus, not what you have done for Jesus, but what Jesus has done for you. And this is what you are to be witness. The Bible says Peter told them that we cannot stop to speak about what we have heard and what we have seen. This was their qualification. They said, we will continue on speaking about what we have heard and what we have seen. Now, there are four things that 
will empower you or that you need to do in order to be empowered for ministry. One of the first one is that Jesus told the disciples they needed power. That's the number one thing you need. You need power. Without power, you really won't be able to do anything. You cannot be an effective witness. The Holy Spirit is the witness in you. He's the one that convicts people of their sin. We can talk and tell people how my life was changed, how my life was transformed, and all of that, but it, the job really comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that tells people, you know what, they need. Haven't you noticed that there are people who come in and out every single day to the church and they go, you know, Sunday after Sunday, and then boof, just one single Sunday, a gospel is spoken and they decide what? I'm going to give my life to God. Why did it happen all this time? Because the Holy Spirit does the job of convincing people. We are simply to be uh, witnesses. Without the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you really can't be a Christian. You can try. You will struggle. You won't make it. You will have no power. In fact, the Bible even says that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us what? Power to do and to will. You know, he's the one that has assigned fruit for us, good deeds. So through the Holy Spirit, we are able um, to live a Christian life. The Holy Spirit has power to break through the hearts and the minds of people, revealing, their spiritual, tru- revealing spiritual truth and convincing them of sin. Secondly, um, we need prayer. We need to pray. I've seen so many people and so many times that, you know, they want their loved ones to be saved. They want their community to be saved, but they don't really take time to pray for them. You know, Prayer is really a key. You know, praying for people. You have a a loved one that is not uh, born again, that has not accepted Jesus Christ. My brother, my sister, I'm going to encourage you begin to pray. Begin to pray. People, I know missionaries who have prayed. I forgot the name of this one missionary. I was reading his story. He was a missionary in Scotland. He cried to God and he said, you know what, God? Give me Scotland or I die. Or just take me. That was his prayer. He prayed every single time. He said, just give me Scotland or I die. This should be our prayer. You know, asking God to move. Asking God to move. And many people have um, ignored the, the power of prayer. They've ignored it. They've just simply ignored it. You know, we take decisions in life without even praying. People say, why do I need to pray about every decision I take? Well, the Bible says we who are in Christ are new creations. You, are, you and I are new creations. We are not made by the part, according to the patterns of this world. We are made in the image of God. So our life standard have completely changed. We have completely transitioned from one kingdom into another. So we cannot be moving according to the same pattern. We have to be moved by a different kind of power, by a different kind of uh, spirit. So ask the Holy Spirit to prepare these individuals, freeing their minds so that they can make a choice to receive him. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to this individual. Pray for awareness. Ask God to help you see and seize the opportunity. 
And then also understand that we cannot move people's hearts without asking the Holy Spirit to move them. Jesus said that my Father draws them. He draw, it is the Father who draws people to Jesus. Unless the Father draws them to him, Jesus, nobody else can. So our job is to pray, to ask people, you know what? God, would you draw this brother of mine, this sister of mine, would you draw people in our community surrounding our church to receive you, to accept you? Even as we are talking about going on, on these uh, prayer walks, those of you that are going to be able to, and I encourage you to be part of it, you know, pray and ask people to draw them, to draw these people in our community that have not believed, that have not accepted him. You know, when the church goes silent about things that are happening around us in our community, the enemy is going to preach a gospel. You know, he's going to preach. Today, if I stand at any shopping mall with a poster and I said, you all need to believe in in Buddha or Muhammad, I'm not going to have a problem with anybody. People are going to look at me and say, hey, it's okay. Nobody's going to be bothered. But the moment I begin to say the name of Jesus is chaos, the police is going to probably show up. People are going to get mad. Why? Because Jesus has caused an offense to so many people who are living in the darkness. So as we go for these prayer walks, we need to begin to ask God, would you draw people? Would you call them to yourself? And only when he does can people's hearts be changed because you and I have no power. We can preach, we can talk until we turn red and blue, but it will do nothing until God steps in and moves their heart. So let us be people of prayer. Let us start in prayer. Let us start in power. And then the other thing that you need to um, do is You need to prepare yourself. You need to be prepared. You know, I spoke recently when we had um, one of the teaching, the foundations we were doing, and I told the people who were there, I'm like, you know, you got 365 days in a year, right? And it takes you only three full days, 72 hours to study the entire Bible, right? Some people, you didn't know that, right? Anybody knew it? Only takes three, three days, 72 hours for you to study the entire Bible. But we've spent so much and so many of our time on Instagram, on the world, and this other stuff, and we have forgotten the very basic that God has given us, his word. So you and I need to be prepared. Study the word, memorize scripture, have a strategy. You know, one of the best things I found at my workplace, shopping malls, is have a strategy. And this is my strategy. Whenever I need to speak to somebody about God, this is what I always do. I'm like, hey, do you believe in God? Because if I said, do you believe in Jesus, the conversation would end very quickly. (laughs) But if I said, do you believe in God, we can move somewhere. They tell me, no, I don't. I've had so many crazy answers, and I've witnessed to so many people here in this land. And just telling them, do you believe in God? And there we can speak. It will pass. If I see them again, I will ask them, hey, what about what we are talking about? And this is what we need to do. We need to study. We need to prepare. And the other thing I want to tell you also in regards to your community, open the doors of your house. Let your unbelieving neighbors see how you do life. You know, many people, and I've seen it here. I've been around other places, and I've seen it here that people are not so keen on hospitality. 
They are not. They're scared, you know. We live, we live in that culture. And, and one of the things you need to understand that this word of God hasn't changed. It has applied to every single culture, cultures that have gone before us, that are coming, and that will still come. It's still the same. The principle still applies the same. Now, when it comes to hospitality, you know, I want you to be cautious too. I don't want you to just pick anybody and, and, and bring them into your house. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you. You know, let us be people who open doors. The early church had this practice. They opened their doors. They break bread in their household. They invited neighbors. In fact, whenever the apostles would travel or the disciples would travel, they would travel with letters. You know, they would send a letter, hey, this is Emmanuel. We know him. He's a brother in Christ. He's been saving. Please receive him. And you, I would pop in here at Fox Valley. Nobody knew me, and I would like, I'm from Namibia. You know, here is a letter of recommendation. I'm a, I'm a brother in Christ. It's like, oh, okay, we receive you. Somebody would open a door and welcome me into their garage, put a bed for me to sleep and say, you know what, you are welcome. The next day they will bring me to church. That culture has been forgotten in today's Western world. We have closed our door. We have said, you know what, my house, my family, my children, my husband, and my kids, I want nothing else to do with that. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister unto you. Open your heart that God might bring people in. And, and this is the reason. I was watching a video recently, and I saw that they are teaching yoga in school right now. They tell kids, you know, it's good to relax your mind. In fact, I was at a park with my kids, and I was speaking to this one mom, and she tells me the, the son was playing with my son, and he was kind of very aggressive, you know. And then the mother is like, oh, don't worry. He goes to yoga classes, so they are teaching him chi, you know, positive energy, you know. I was like, okay. And then I was like, can I tell you about another positive energy? It's like, yeah. So I start talking with her. <laughs> and I start sharing with her. She's like, nah, we don't really do that. We believe. I was like, okay. I saw a video. They are teaching yoga. They want yoga to be in school, but they don't want the Bible to be in school. They don't, they don't want Jesus. As long as it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, people are going to be fine. The moment you start mentioning Jesus, war begins. Right? So we need to be people who have a strategy on how to witness people. Um, quickly, I want to share this with you. At the back of the seat, I know some of you have seen, there's a little pamphlet you know, some of us don't really know how to share the gospel. But this little pamphlet here, he, he can explain to you the gospel. I would encourage you to pick one today, study it, memorize it, you know. Learn, learn, learn a strategy, develop a strategy. When somebody asks you, so what is the gospel? You don't have to mama or look and, and, and imagine how it can go. But have a strategy. And the last thing is proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do it in deeds, and do it also by words. Some people don't have time or will not have time to open the Bible at all, but they have time to see how you are living, how you live as a Christian. So you being a witness, simply just open yourself. Open the, yourself to living the Bible. Live according to this principle. Live according to this scripture. And when people see you, they are going to ask you and say, wait a minute, why are you so kind? Then you will have the opportunity to tell them, I'm kind because God has been kind unto me. And then you can share the gospel. Before we can um, be witnesses in words, let us be witnesses in deeds. Let us 
proclaim the gospel, let us declare the gospel to the people around it, and more importantly, let us leave the gospel. Let us become the epistles. Like the Apostle Paul, he says that let us become living epistles. Let us become living letters that people can take and read. When you read throughout the Bible, you will see that the apostles were first called Christians. They didn't call them Christians because they carried big Bibles around. They didn't call them Christians because they wore big robes. No, they called them Christians because they said, we see that you follow Christ. They saw them as followers of Christ, and then they called them Christians. So let us begin to practice um, these things and leave them. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. As I pray this morning, I want to ask you to release your power and your anointing over each and every one of us that we might go out there and live for your glory, that we may become living epistles, that we might become the letters that you have written in deeds that we may show to the people around us your glory. Show us, oh Father, where you are giving us opportunities to speak your word, where you are opening doors. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient each and every single day as we bless you and we surrender in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand and join us.